Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Get in on the action and make your bet with sports interaction. Summer is heating up with baseball. Can the Jays make a run at the division? Oh, <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> uh, hey, but you can bet before the game, whichever way you think. Live and in play uh, at all your favorite teams and hot dog contests. Woo! Woo! Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN or download the app to get started. It's 19 plus. And what do you have to do, Steve? Please play responsibly. The Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake, powered by Sports Interaction. All right, welcome back to the Jesse Blake Sports Report. I have with me today uh, S. Barahaney of SDPN, our basketball reporter. And S, we're sitting right now at SDPN Studios. We call this Studio Three. Hell yeah! It's uh, if you're not if you're not watching the video right now, it's the one with our beautiful our, setup, our way. brick background. Thank you, thank you. Some fake trees next to us and everything. High back leather chairs, and nice. you're worried right now that the camera may be getting a little bit too much leg. Yeah, a little bit too much leg. You know, actually, I don't think there's ever too much. You know what yeah. I mean? Th- thighs out for the guys is my expression. Oh, there you so, go. Yeah. No, yeah. but I think you should embrace it. Yes. That yeah, should, right, that should be right. your thing. You should be. I've been told my legs are my best physical quality, so I'm I'm trying to sh- show them out, if you will. Okay. There you go. Is I, that is that what your lovely lo- wife no, says? No, 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 not <laughs> at all. No, she probably is just like, please get your legs away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so you just got back from uh, Vegas. You're yeah. at Summer League. How was that? The overall uh, experience. The overall experience was awesome. It mm-hmm. was amazing. Shout out to STPN for, for sending us out there. Um, I think Vegas is such a strange town. If you've ever been, it's just it feels like you're stuck in a bubble that is Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you stay there for too long, you kind of get into a loop. You kind of lose like sense of reality yeah. in a lot of ways. Uh, but the basketball was amazing. I thought just the way that the NBA had set it up. They had, you know, NBA con, which is sort of like their comic con, you know, for fans to go out to. It was the first time ever they did something like that. Really cool to go see that. Apparently two chains performed. I I, I missed that. But oh, you yeah. didn't see two chains. No, I did not see two Aww. chains though. Two chains. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, that was awesome. It was overall just a, a great experience. The basketball being able to be in like a high school type gym, you know, yeah. Uh, and, and seeing all these players live up in action, uh, it was just awesome. Mm-hmm. It, it was a really great experience. For with the Vegas side of it, mm-hmm. like you're you're very right about that loop that Vegas is because it's an adult wonderland. You it go is. there and is, yeah. everything outside of that pocket of the strip is kind of some other reality, and Vegas is its own world in and yeah. of itself. And like when you were there, they debuted the, that eyeball. The, the giants, I call it the eyeball, but the giant sphere, the sphere. That, that can project as an eyeball. At some points, it was a giant NBA basketball. You know, like it's it's this ridiculous yeah. thing that seems of some other planet. Yeah. And Vegas has like 800 of those just throughout the strip. And, <laughs> and what's the experience of the sphere? Okay. All right. So do you know the story behind the sphere? I know it's like a concert venue. It is. It is. And, You're right. You're okay. right. It is a concert venue. So, okay. New York Knicks owner, James Dolan. Okay has a band mm-hmm. he which is such a weird thing yeah, his for, da- for, he has a dad rock band, he has a dad rock and i band. know that at one point the m uh the msg board got right. upset with him yeah because he was playing too much in his dad band and exactly. not taking care of the knicks so 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 he created this thing so that he could perform in an acoustic 
environment no that is way. like perfect for his dad rock band it was it's and, him and his company yeah msg is his company yeah and they made the sphere oh wow there you go it, yeah so so it's it's essentially it was a way for him to create some kind of you know environment that would be the perfect acoustic sound mm-hmm. and they're saying it might be like the best concert venue in the world once wow. it opens up it hasn't opened up yet they have the the eyeball did yeah. you see the eye um <laughs> But it's That's not like, like there no concerts have been hosted. No, there yet. nothing oh, okay. has been hosted in there yet. But I mean, maybe by like November. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Apparently, it's massive too. So on the inside, there's like eighteen thousand seats or nineteen thousand seats. Wow. So that could be enough to fill for a basketball game or whatever. It just it seems like a really interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, like just looking at it is the weirdest thing you could ever look at because it's so bright, mm-hmm. especially at night. Um, it just like. It immediately attracts your eye. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, I had no idea it was uh, MSG is the one who built it. Yeah, like I yeah. thought it would have been like one of the big casinos down there. They added some music venue no. down there, but wow, that's James insane. Dolan wanted to get his dad rock on. That, yeah, that <laughs> it's, that's so James Dolan too. <laughs> yeah. Like that is exactly what he would do with his time and yeah. his money instead of like I don't know something more important. Exactly, you know? focusing on basketball. Maybe? Yeah, yeah. no, maybe the team. You know, like <laughs> none of that. But you mentioned the the gyms. You know, the the yeah. high school gyms where you could see um like actual nba stars because yeah. guys like the second year guys who are in the league they still play in summer league occasionally. Oh, yeah. like yeah. uh evan mobley you get to see him up close and that sort of stuff and then on the sidelines you have the the vets and the yeah. coaching staff is what's the like who's the biggest names you saw down there do you, do you bump into Woj? Uh, like we we bumped into shams okay yeah, we did bump into shams and he like he's impossible to get off his phone mm-hmm. like even mid-conversation he's like yeah 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 yes of course and he's just constantly on his phone um so he he's like impossible to to talk to and reach out to it feels like you're talking to a robot in a lot of ways um but no the the first minute we got in there uh it was a timberwolves game versus i want to say the wizards and you see like anthony edwards on the sideline you see all the other timberwolves players like i i, I don't think carl anthony towns was there but you see some of the other guys and they're right there. Like, there's no security. There's no, hey, you know, what's going on here? Like, no, they are right in front of you, which is the coolest experience for a fan if mm-hmm. you're going to watch it because you get to see these guys up close and personal. We saw, like, Sam Presti and Bobby Webster and all those guys. They have a specific spot for the NBA executives, okay. but they're right there. And you can see them interacting. You can see them talking. Uh, I think that's the that's the lore of Summer League. You know, it gives you that environment. And it, it makes it seem like you're so up close and personal with all of these players, all of these execs. I know, like, Jalen Rose got hounded as soon as he walked in, walked into the arena. Everybody's like, Jalen! Jalen! I love you! And, yeah, th- there were so many experiences like that, man. Oh, it, countless. Like, that's countless awesome. Amounts, yeah. So you went down there as a media member, obviously. Yeah, like, yeah. you're there to look at the the talent and cover and make some connections and that sort of stuff. But as sure. a fan, you, you would recommend as a fan go down there if you're a fan of basketball. If you are a junkie, mm-hmm. I think, I think that, like, there's a difference between being like, oh, I, I enjoy basketball, I enjoy NBA, but like the crowd there you can tell is like they watch basketball 24 7 365 they have league pass they have league pass you're you're talking about like i don't know ankle flexibility and like shin flexibility like three rows behind you some guys are talking about like points per possession a couple of rows in front of you these are like straight up basketball nerds you know uh and i think that's why it makes it such a cool environment and i like it because i'm a basketball nerd but 
it's good if you love the game that much. Mm -hmm. And it's so awesome because it just feels like you're seeing the start of everybody's career. Victor Wembanyama obviously had his debut. You see the start of his career. You see guys like uh, Scoot Henderson, Amen Thompson, all these rookies that everybody's so excited for. You were there for their first game. Even when we we were at Wemby's first game, which was a disappointment, a lot of people were were not happy with it. Um, it was just you could tell the environment in the arena and the crowd was like, "Hey, we are here for a moment in NBA history." Hopefully it pans out. Mm-hmm. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. It, it was great. Let's spend a moment on, on Wemby's first game. I, this Everybody listening, yes, we are going to get to the Raptors. That's, yeah. that's why you are here today. It's because it, it looks like the logical conclusion for the Raptors should be to move on for Pascal Siakam. That's what I'm, the conclusions I'm drawing. And we're going to talk about that. And then we have some, I have four fake trades for you that okay. we're going to plug into the trade tracker and do all that. But before we do that, just a moment on Wemby. You were in the building for his first game. What was that like? You said said the environment's crazy, but yeah. like from the basketball side of it, can we draw any conclusions from a guy's first game in summer league against I don't know mediocre competition? Would you yeah. call it? No, it was it was mediocre competition, and also the the team that was surrounding Wemby wasn't really the best place to make him look good. I think certain guys in the summer league are just their 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 game makes more sense for that type of environment. It's kind of like a uh, a street game in, in summer league you know everybody is like if you're a guard you're gonna thrive in the summer league because it's all about creating separation it's about making your own shots it's about being a good isolation score mm-hmm. like those are the type of games if you were great in a in a blacktop setting you know what i mean you are going to thrive in the summer league because it, it really is like that schoolyard game uh but Wemby isn't like that I think Grady Dick isn't like that either, and that's why maybe early on you saw him struggle a little bit. But these guys figure it out. And even throughout the two games that Wemby played, you could see there was a a very big shift between game one and game two. He absolutely dominated in game two. You just need that time to adjust. They'll they'll be all right. They'll be fine. I will say, Uh craziest Wemby experience. So you know the tunnel, right? Leaving and entering the arena from courtside. So where, he, where Steph will take a shot from. Yeah, the, where, where Steph will take a shot yeah. from. So his head is like at the top of the tunnel. <laughs> I just want to contextualize that for the people at home. His head is at the top of the mm-hmm. tunnel where mostly, you know, it's like a really big, they they move basketball nets through that tunnel, you know, mm-hmm. and his head. Is seven five? Seven five is the official is the official number. He might grow still. He's only yeah. 19 years he's, old. He's a child. Like I was still growing into my early, like, 20s you know i think i peaked like at 22 yeah. i got to my maximum height so if like, he gets to 7 7 i that's dangerous territory yeah. i feel like that i don't know man I, that would be the tall i think that's the tallest player in nba history if he gets to 7 7 i so. would think so and yeah. the worry about wemby is that size is we've never seen a professional basketball basketball player at that size yeah. have a really long career yeah like we yeah. see it for maybe a decade or half a decade you know that you're really good at that that height but the having the longevity at that size it seems not impossible we haven't seen it done yet yeah so I there's a little that. bit of worry with Wemby with that i think i think his team has done an incredible job and like just like speaking to people there you can see that there is a different air to the way they've tried to treat him, especially even from a young age, like 12, 13 years old, the way they've tried to build up his body, um, even like figuring out these twitch muscles in his legs. Because for those big guys, legs are the most important thing. If you get a leg injury, you're done, right? Um, So being able to have strength in your lower body 
Thighs for the guys, by the way. Uh, it's it's important, especially for guys like Wemby. You see Yao Ming. Yao Ming's career got derailed because of a foot injury. Uh, Bull Bull, right? Minute Bull. Like all these guys, it's always the leg stuff that mm-hmm. becomes the, I don't know, debilitating injury, if you will. But yeah, yeah Wemby, Wemby will be okay. I'm pretty confident. I, I think Wemby will be great. All-time great? Uh, yeah. I, I, oh, yeah? Yeah, he, okay. he has the chance to. Like, I mean, if everything pans out the way you want it to, Wemby is going to be the next generation's generation. And he's so set up to be that star. You, you like listen to his interviews, you hear him speak. He's just, he's ready for that moment. Um, I, I think he'll, he's going to be great. And at the very least, if he's not great, he's going to be a good, you know, NBA Might be an player. star. Yeah. 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 Like you hear about the stories about him uh, deliberately learning English as a child because yeah. he knew he wanted to be an NBA player and you yeah. speak English to come over here and be a star. So yeah. you hear those things and like he's been striving towards this moment for his entire life. And that's the same thing with the greats like LeBron. Like LeBron, since he was a kid, has been working towards this. Same with, like, if you take it to another sport, you go to Tiger Woods as a child. Cristiano Ronaldo his dad, is another one. Cristiano, yeah. you know, that's where you get the greats is when they've been working on it uh, for 20 years and they're 20. Yeah. You know, yeah, like yeah. that. that's where you get that i worry about his game a little because i know you don't play the traditional hey you sit in the post somebody's gonna feed you a post pass and you back down your defender like that's that was early 2000s basketball they don't do it anymore and Wemby, he loves facing somebody uh face to face and beating them off the dribble yeah and it frustrates me when i see a man who's almost as tall as the basketball, <laughs> try and play somebody face-to-face and beat them off of the dribble, yeah. stand in the post and make a couple moves, and you'll be dominant forever. Yeah. Do you think he's going to learn to change his game where he's not trying to take step-back threes and, and beat people off the so, dribble? Or can he get a post game? They actually, when the Spurs announced that they officially signed him, they were very, very specific in not saying that he's a big man or a center. So they said the San Antonio Spurs have signed forward Victor Wembanyama. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I think that is a very, very big, important thing to note because, I mean, he hasn't played center for all his career. He can play center, but he wants to be a forward. Mm-hmm. He wants to be the Kevin Durant. He wants to be, you know what I mean? Like he wants to be that type of wing type player. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to see him in the post that much. Oh. Defensively, though, yeah, he's going to be a guy who's going to be dominant mm-hmm. from day one. Just because 7-5, I mean, how easy is it going to be for him to block shots and deflect shots? The the rookie of the year race between Chet Holmgren mm-hmm. and Victor Wembanyama is just arms, you know? <laughs> it's just whose arms can be bigger and better and block shots. I, I'm so excited. It's, it, it's going to be such a different rookie of the year race compared to normal because it's always like scoring and production. But for those two guys, it's just going to be like, which guy is the better defender Mm-hmm. immediately and it might yeah the the kevin durant comparison like that's the best comp for what Wemby's going for right because a seven foot imagine if you put uh kevin durant's skill set in rudy gobert's body mm-hmm. you know rudy gobert is like seven two so imagine like three inches taller than that but that would be what victor Wembanyama is that's what he, that's what he's trying to go for yeah he's yeah, not yeah, quite yeah. there yeah. yet no 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 you know it I would just like to see an additional aspect of the game because I think he could yeah. be even more dominant if he's not just this this tall seven foot scorer, you yeah. know, like Durant is. But we'll see how that plays out. Like I'm so excited for this upcoming NBA season. You know, with the uh, the NBA Cup addition to that, it seems like they really got some momentum with the I'll stars. I'll ask you this and- from your perspective because obviously, like 
you know, hockey, live, live and die by it, right? What is your perspective of an in-season tournament from like an outside perspective? So anybody listening who listens to the Steve Dangle podcast, we talked about oh, this you guys, a little okay, bit okay. on, my on fault, Friday. My fault, no, no, all good, all good. But because I think I should give my perspective here because we're big fans of it. Like us collectively okay. on that show were. And I, I was talking about how it adds this extra layer of entertainment during the dullest portions of the nba season okay like that's that's what i find like that's what they're trying to capture here is because you get to this point in the fall where everything is nfl down in america you know like that's the biggest tv sport they're not going to surpass it but they lose a little bit of the the nba is making noise in the news sphere during the october november December and then we get to Christmas and everybody remembers the NBA happens again because Christmas right. Day is their day. Yeah. So to add this NBA Cup here, you're you're making these weekday Tuesdays and Thursday games matter. Yeah. You know. So I love the fact that they're doing this. It's and, actually and Tuesday and Friday. Tuesday and Friday. No, sorry. but that's actually a really important point because what are those days compared to football? There's no football. No. Football you have Monday days. night football. You have Thursday night football. You have the weekends obviously for football, but you don't have Tuesday and Friday. And the NBA is trying to capitalize on those two days. It also with their with their TV deal, their TV deal is expiring. I think the season after this, that is now a new slot for a production company, NBC, whoever, to jump in and say, "Hey, we will host your Friday night games, your Tuesday night games, whatever." Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's just a new revenue stream for the NBA. They're going to make so much money off of this in season cup. It also makes it so that Vegas, which is the the final, you know, the semifinals and the finals, will be hosted in Vegas in December seventh to ninth. They're trying to bring a team there. Yes. They're trying to engage fans in Las Vegas with every chance they get, whether it be the Summer League, the NBA Con, and now this in-season tournament. They are trying to gauge how many fans can we get into an arena for NBA stuff. And, I mean, so far it's been incredibly So I, I assume you're a big fan of this. Of, of, of the, the NBA yeah. Cup? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, okay. I love, uh, like, obviously soccer is, like, my second sport. So being able to watch uh, the NBA adopt some of the similar things, it makes it so much better. And also, I hate rings or bust culture. It's mm. like, you know, I just, I hate when it's, it's like, oh, he has to win an NBA championship or his career is ruined. And it it incentivizes that, that there's just more out there than just winning an NBA championship. You can win an in-season cup, you can win MVPs, et cetera, et cetera, and you can still have a a good and successful NBA career. So many guys get ragged on for that, right? James Harden, Chris Paul, et cetera, et cetera. We're it's like Charles Barkley's like Yeah, the Charles Barkley. Yeah. Charles you know? <laughs> Barkley, Steve Nash, you can go on and on. John Stockton, all these guys, right? Uh so many guys get ragged on for not winning an NBA championship. Uh, and so many people in the NBA world talk about, oh, well, this guy never won a championship. Oh, well, this guy never did this. And, you know, adding new things, the playing tournament, the in-season tournament, even new awards that they've added over the last couple of years, it just makes it so that's better. Yeah, you look at like the playing tournament in last year, it adds some lore to DeMar's uh, career, you yeah. know, when he when he when they took down the Raptors, yeah. you think about those little moments, and and it's a eight nine or a nine ten seed. I think that was playing, you know, yeah. and it's supposed to be irrelevant, but you add in this aspect where we call it a uh, play in tournament, and right. there's some added meaning, and it's the only game that night. It's on a big stage, and you have a great performance by Demar and his daughter, Dr. And- <laughs> Shout out to Dr. And yeah. it's a moment. Yeah, it's it's uh, now we have a cultural NBA moment out of that and it's manufactured and i said on on the show on friday that just because we 
manufactured these ideas in 1950 doesn't mean you're not allowed to manufacture fake things in 2023 now. Exactly. you know you can exactly. make up rules yeah that the whole thing is the, a made-up game the all-star weekend was made i think in like 1970 or something like that and now it's some kind of crazy tradition that everybody loves everybody looks forward to but back then it was just a gimmick you know right. it was just something they were doing to raise awareness and make more money and now it's just like embedded into the NBA's culture, even the NHL's culture. It just it's part of it. Mm-hmm. it. That grows through time. Right. You think of with soccer. Right. The the treble is such a big thing. Being able to win one, two and three of your entire season. It, it grows within time. I, I imagine 100 years ago, people were like, oh, forget that in season exactly. tournament. We don't care about yeah. that. No, like you think about if they had Twitter in 1970, yeah, how many people exactly. would be laughing at the All-Star game? Exactly. They'd call yeah. it ridiculous, you know? Twitter and, in 1970 would be a wild place, man. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Nobody needs to see that because <laughs> we know how culture was back then. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't need that. Um, even Twitter today yes. isn't a great space. So <laughs> we don't need a, the hundreds of years of history of twitter but i agree i yeah. digress um you want to move to the raptors let's I talk think about we them. should yeah, we're about, about 20 minutes in and we haven't hit the Damn. main point here and we, i think the main point we, we is promised that... we promised 35 for maddie and i know <laughs> Matt, maddie's trying to get move on with her summer <laughs> and not have have to sit in here and listen to podcasts all day and we're going we're going extra long for you so apologies maddie um <laughs> so just Reading all the articles over the last week or last couple weeks and seeing how the season played out, mm-hmm. I just like every day I'm waiting for a Pascal Siakam trade. Yeah. I'm like, when is it going to happen? It seems like a logical move for the Raptors. How is it going to play out? And let's start with uh, Michael Grange's reporting because he had two articles in the last month or so that kind of blew up Siakam's spot. You know, yeah. it was the, the first one where it's, hey, Fred's gone now, and the next piece should be a Siakam deal because that's what he's hearing. And then there's the Summer League one where he mentioned that Siakam wasn't at Summer League. And it was a disappointment that Chris Boucher was the only Raptor uh, there outside of executives with the team, you know, yeah. and he mentioned how uh, Larry Tannenbaum was sitting there at the courtside and, and there was none of the star players. So let's just start with your feelings on where Siakam's going to play next season, how this whole thing plays out, and then let's get into the reasons why afterwards. Whew, that's a lot. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, first and foremost, I think the Raptors had every intention uh, before the Fred Van Vliet decision to just run this team back. I think that was based on what I've heard, based on what the reporting is. They had every intention to just say, hey, let's re-sign Fred Van Vliet. Let's keep Pascal. Let's keep OG. And let's just run it back for one more season. Now that we have Jakob Pertl for a full, full season, let's see how it goes. Maybe Scotty Barnes takes a step. You know, we're introducing Grady Dick. We have some more shooting. Let's see how it goes. I think that was their intention the entire time. And then Fred Van Vliet leaves. And by the way, I mean, good for him. Gets an incredible bag. He's now the, I believe, from what I saw on Twitter, is the second highest paid point guard in the NBA behind yeah. Steph Curry. That's, that's just incredible money. <laughs> uh, you can't pass that out especially you know undrafted guard etc cetera, etc cetera. it's just there's no way that you're going to pass up that type of generational wealth uh regardless of where it is and you know good luck to him in houston we'll see how that happens because that's a that's a rough situation to go to when it comes to pascal though this has been bubbling for a little bit you look at what happened in tampa bay uh you look at you know even before tampa bay in the bubble when he he 
like the NBA season stopped in their defending championship season. They were they were defending champions. They looked great, right? They looked like they were poised to potentially repeat or maybe even have a better chance of repeating. The NBA stopped. It, it, I mean, the whole sport, sports world stopped. Um, and he didn't get to work out there for a really long time in those two to three months before the bubble started back up. He didn't do well in the NBA bubble. I think he really struggled in the Celtics series. Fans were really, really heated about that. You fast forward Tampa Bay, he gets hurt, has a groin injury. Uh, I believe it was a groin injury, but he did get hurt as well. He was actually, that was shoulder injury. Uh, and he, he was slowly getting back to that. Mm-hmm. Didn't look 100%. And the organization as a whole kind of punted yeah. on the season. Yeah, they did. And just said, they did. We're, in, yeah. we're in Florida right now. This isn't real. It worked out. Team. It worked out. I mean, they got Scotty Barnes. Exactly. Right? They got, they've got that next piece that they're looking forward to. But I think if you look at the span from you know the defending championship season to now, it's really been hard to give Pascal Siakam a fair shake with what the roster has been. They've searched for about three of those seasons or four of those seasons to find a starting center, and they made Siakam play out of position for essentially those three seasons. He was a, a de facto small ball five for a lot of the year, especially not this this past season, but the season prior to that when they made it to, I believe they were the fourth or fifth seed, and they made it to play the Philadelphia mm-hmm. 76ers. He was essentially their de facto five. Um, that's not his position. And he was forced to play out of position for a very, very long time defensively. Now they find Jakob Pertl, but that took three years, mm-hmm. right? Not finding him a center to work with was such a huge part of this. And now you don't have a starting point guard. Uh, so it's just like he hasn't got a fair shake. The the shooting, the I, I mean, like just looking at what Pascal is as a player, he's a guy who requires a lot of shooting next to him, moving parts defensively, and guys who can create their shot as well. None of that applies to what this Raptors team has been over the last three or four years with Pascal Siakam. A lot of people in the industry will say, Pascal Siakam has had to work with a closet of space over the last couple of years. And yet still, he's been a two-time All-NBA player, two-time All-Star, and he's been, you know, arguably at times a top 15, 20 player in the NBA. That's how good Pascal is. Mm -hmm. So you can understand, now, now moving it forward to like now, why the Raptors might be hesitant in moving a guy like that. But at the same time, he's an expiring contract. He has one year left on his deal. Uh, he probably, he does get the most amount of money by staying with Toronto. And that's probably why he wants to stay in Toronto. All reports indicate that he wants to stay in Toronto. Uh, and that's where we are. Like that, That's where we are now. It's, it's Siakam wants to stay. He hasn't had a fair shake. Maybe the roster is moving in a way that gives him a fair shake. But the way it works with Fred leaving, it just seems like this is the amicable time to make a split. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where that's where you get where we're at now. Like just to some, some be a, a little bit of a summation of how we got here over the last three or four years, that's, that's where Pascal's been at, you know? Yeah, so you mentioned a lot of interesting. I know. Stuff I'm sorry. I feel like I, I feel like I threw a lot at you. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. It's all good. I think one of one of the areas of focus is is the contract because yeah. it's it's 192 million. If it's the uh, I forget the veteran. Um, I forget the term for the actual contract that vet he extension. For, yeah, the vet yeah. the vet extension. Um, 192 million, and your decision here is we need to either give him that, and this is his team, or we move on for it and get assets, and you don't end up the yeah. same situation that you were in with Fred, where your one of your star players leaves and you get nothing. Right. Yeah. So the decision there is based on how his tenure in Toronto has gone. 
can you build a championship team around Pascal? Because you look at you look at where the Raptors are now. They have the choice to go into full rebuild mode yeah. or continue to chase the championship. And I think uh, Masai and Bobby, I think they want to stay competitive and keep trying to be in the conversation at least. And with Pascal as your number one, can you get to that? Are you going to remain in the middle of the East conversation, but are you in the championship conversation with a team like Boston? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Uh, and I, I think the resounding answer is no. I, 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 Pascal is an incredibly talented player. I just went went by you know explaining how he hasn't got a fair opportunity here, and yet he's still been able, oops, still <laughs> still been able to produce incredible seasons. Um, but at the same time, we know his limitations as a player. And regardless, he's been able to get better every single season. He's still an incredible talent, but you need that number one guy in order to win a championship. And realistically, I think I think Pascal isn't that. I think that's where we've got to. And now you're looking at this extension. The extension doesn't look as bad as people are making it out to be. I think the 192 for four or five years, I'm not sure exactly what it is. That's a fair number for a guy who is of his caliber. And it's fair value. Like he would get that anywhere else if he was in this situation. I think he would get extended anywhere else if he was in this situation. But at the same time, do the Raptors want to invest that money right now knowing the cap limitations that they have moving forward? They have to extend OG and OB mm-hmm. as well. They obviously will have a Scotty Barnes extension coming up soon, Precious Achua extension coming up soon. You obviously have Grady Dick, which is a little bit away, but you have to think about that type of stuff. Do you want to invest in doubling down on this specific core? And just to compare the last two seasons. So last year, whatever went wrong, uh, whatever could have went wrong, went wrong, right, for the Raptors. They got hurt a bunch. Fred didn't have a great season. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. didn't have a great season. Their shooting was all whack. Uh, Pascal got hurt for for a bunch at the start of the season as well. He got a groin injury. So everything that could have went wrong went wrong. Versus the year before that, everything that went right went right, or could have went right went right. Scotty Barnes won Rookie of the Year. Fred was an All Star. Pascal was an All NBA player. Gary was shooting the lights out. OG had a great season. All of these things, you saw the two different contrasts of what this team could be, and yet still. Their ceiling was a four. Yeah, seed, the you thing know? about the year when yeah. it all went right is it, yeah. that it still wasn't even enough. good enough. It wasn't you know? enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you have to you have to like be truthful with yourself in that moment and see, hey, is this team worth investing in? Um, and I think that's where we get to. It's time to move on from this current group and you know start anew. I think last year was bad vibes mm-hmm. all around for the Toronto Raptors. You talk to anybody who's close to that organization and you just say. Man, there was a lot of bad vibes. And that's why the Raptors are cleaning house. I mean, there's coaching. The coaching staff is a completely new coaching staff. So it's, they had 18 coaches last year and 17 were let go. I yeah, pretty much. The number. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Um, and, and like they are starting completely new in that direction. There's a couple of other people like front office execs that have, have switched sides as well and, and gone elsewhere. They are starting fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be hard to have some lingering faces if you're starting fresh and going into a different direction. Pascal is still clearly committed to Toronto. And I think if the Raptors were to offer him that extension tomorrow, you could probably see a situation there where it works out. I'd like to keep in mind, if he does sign that extension, there's a chance his value looks a lot better in the coming years. Because it's harder to trade an expiring contract for what he's actually worth 
Whereas, you know, a year down the road, two years down the road, now you have a two, three year contract for a guy who's an all NBA all-star in his prime. That's a lot better of a of a package to trade for yeah. versus a guy who's an expiring contract and you don't know his willingness to re-sign with your team. Mm-hmm. So that I think there is a scenario where he does get extended this summer and then later down the road they address a trade. Yeah, it's it's weird because in the NHL world, when you extend the guy it's you usually never trade him like the, the it's usually like that for the nba too yeah is that he's going to stick around yeah. but in the pascal situation the extension gives the team that's trading for him like cost certainty yeah. you know we yeah. get pascal because right. he has expressed interest in not signing an extension if he's traded to a team he doesn't want to play for yeah exactly i think i think he just wants to keep his options open uh if you're if you're a guy like that just to consider like he was you know, obviously born and raised in Cameroon, went to New Mexico for ball and then went to Toronto. That's all he's known, really. And and he hasn't really been able to, like, live elsewhere. Right. I know he there was a report that he trains in Orlando and like that's his his like stomping grounds in the summer. But overall, like Toronto is all he's known. He's even said it in press conferences that this is his second home, you know, um, and it, it's hard for me to think of a player like that and say, they have any interest in going elsewhere because they don't know what else is out there. Mm-hmm. So for him being a guy who's going to be an unrestricted free agent in 2024, well, yeah, it makes sense to not want to commit to anything because you don't know if you're going to enjoy wherever you're going to go to. And also now you have the option of being a free agent. He's never really had that option of of exploring and, and getting the pitches and all that stuff from different teams. I think that's something he probably wants to experience. So. Can the Raptors get to this other level? Because with Pascal, they have a ceiling. So they're trying to get past that ceiling eventually. By trading Pascal Siakam, is there a path towards breaking through that ceiling? I think so. Uh, It a lot of it relies on Scotty Barnes and and who he is. And you know, for you know, you usually look at the the last three or four NBA drafts, even longer than that, guys who tend to take that leap that are high lottery picks like Scotty being a fourth overall pick, they usually take that leap in year three or four. That's usually about the time where you see those guys take that all-star leap or all NBA leap, whatever it is that they're going to do. That's why these next two seasons for Scotty are so crucial development wise. And, you know, I think that's part of why we see Pascal trade talk talks happen because with Pascal out, now you have more opportunity for Scotty to try and flourish and you know open up his game and explore different areas of his game that he might not have been able to if you're a playoff contending team mm-hmm. um so i think it really depends on scotty it just depends on what you believe in him as a player uh what the ceiling is with a guy like that and then how do you surround a guy like that with things that work scotty is very similar to pascal in the sense that he requires a lot of shooting around him extra playmaking and great defenders uh and i think you can build that around one guy. It's harder to do it when you have Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Yaka Pirtle, three guys in your front court who are non-shooters. Uh, it makes spacing a lot harder. It makes it harder to operate and function as an NBA team when you don't have that spacing. And when you're you're lacking shooting, it just makes it so much harder to develop. So, so in Scotty's position, taking out Pascal, who's a non-shooter, and maybe moving him up to the power forward spot and adding a shooter. So OG Ananobi is in the mix now. Grady Dick is in the mix now. You add another shooter. I don't know. There's other guys that we're probably going to talk about with this trade stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, AJ Griffin is a guy who gets brought up a lot. Kobe Bufkin is a guy who gets brought up a lot. Um, I think 
supplementing and complementing a guy like Scotty with shooting is the key. And the same thing applies to Pascal, unfortunately. But as I said earlier, he just, he never got the fair shake. You now have an opportunity to redo and, and kind of make up those mistakes that you made with Pascal in terms of team building with Scotty. And there's the ceiling on Scotty, like the what we've seen so far with Scotty Barnes, is projection enough to trust him to build a team around him? That's up to the what is beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, it's tough. You you look at it and you say, okay, the disappointing sophomore year that he had. Yeah, it are do we have a franchise player? Like everybody was so hyped in the rookie year. Yeah. And you take a step back and you say, okay, let's put some realistic expectations on Scotty Barnes here. And if they do end up building a team directly around him, is this a franchise guy? Is this the future uh, number one on a championship team? We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, the, you know, the Kanye West that I guess we'll never know. Like, um, I I think for Scotty to become the number one option on a championship team, the shooting has to develop. The creation off of the bounce has to develop. He has to get much better at that. He has to get a tighter handle. Uh, a lot of these things have to happen. Um, so to for him to be a number one option, tough. I'm not sure. We'll see. There's there's a lot of things that would have to break right for him to get to that point. Um, or, or for him to even get to the point to be a Pascal Siakam, a lot of things have to break right. Uh, I, I think at a base level, though, he's an incredible uh, playmaker. He's a guy who can work from a post position. He's a guy who has like just cerebral passing ability and finding his teammates. And that's always going to contribute. At a floor level, I really think like a guy like Draymond Green or DeMontis Sabonis or Bam Adebayo, like that's mm-hmm. that's sort of what you're looking at from I've a base level. I've heard some Ben Simmons comparisons. Nah, not a Ben. I where s- that might be the floor and that's not very good. Ben, uh, well, I will say Ben Simmons is a, was a great player. Yeah. Yeah, but it just things... It, ben Simmons was like Magic Johnson without yeah. the scoring touch, you know? Yeah. Like in terms yeah. of a, a giant man who could pass the ball. Like but that's a not a guy who can be your number one on a championship team. Right. But, yeah, so yeah. I hear some of the the detractors of Scotty Barnes who say that if he's going to be not not a zero on offense, but not be the biggest offensive threat, the ceiling isn't very high and the floor might be pretty low. I think the floor is pretty high, actually. I think okay. I think because Ben Simmons is a multi-time all-star, multi-time all-NBA player. It's just his career derailed in such a wild way. It's like he got the yips mm-hmm. when it comes to shooting and, and just like his confidence got completely shaken and broken. You see other versions of Ben Simmons that are completely successful. Draymond Green is a completely successful version of Ben Simmons, although he's he's a cerebral defender. I think Ben Simmons at his peak was a great defender as well. Um, you know, DeMontis Sabonis, a guy who has his limitations as a score but you know last year with the sacramento kings we saw he's an all nba type player he opened up an entire system built around what he can do with shooting with floor spacing with creation they the sacramento kings had their best season in over 20 years you know um not 20 years 16 years whatever sorry sacramento kings. <laughs> um i think that is an incredibly high floor for a player and scotty can achieve that floor i think that is a very attainable level for him the question is can you get to the next level which is i mean for scotty it would be like can you get to a Kawhi level can you mm-hmm. get to a, a durant level and that i mean just just thinking of that it's going to come down to scoring and it's going to come down to shooting why did I say it like that? Uh, shooting. Uh, I think those are the main things. Shooting. shooting. Yeah. Yes, shooting. Uh, but no, it, it, that, those are the two things that are going to 
you know, change it between, hey, he's going to be a Ben Simmons, Draymond Green type player to he's a Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. type player. It's I like just- the Kawhi comparison a lot because there's a guy who early on his career everybody talked about yeah. his defense you know that that was the main thing about Kawhi and then yeah. he adds the offensive threat and what he did in the in the finals for the Spurs you know like that's when he came into his own really as who he's going to be as a basketball player and Scotty there's there's a bit of an arc to where it can reach that and I don't know if the Raptors trusted enough like it's an avenue they can go down with the Pascal trade and before I want to bring up my four d- trade destinations I'm excited. we're yeah. going to do the uh the NBA uh trade machine what about the OJ OG um extension so he's got a player option at the end of the year yeah. he's going to decline it Absolutely. Yeah. he's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars more by declining it yeah. Yeah. so <laughs> does this extension get done does he remain a raptor past this year because that's like hit the red button if they can't get OG done i think if pascal gets traded the next domino to fall is an OG extension um I think, you know, he just turned 26 today. Happy birthday. Oh, no way. Yeah. Happy Uh, birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, 26 is an age where, like, you can still see him tap into some some things that he might be able to grow at. Uh, He obviously, from the reporting, wants to have a more extensive role. And if the Raptors decide to go into a more youth movement where it's Scotty Barnes, where it's Grady Dick, where it's Precious Achua and whoever they get for the Pascal deal. Uh, it just makes sense that OG will get a lot more responsibility. He'll he'll get a lot more touches in the basketball uh, court. Why am I sh- talking like this? I'm not sure. But yes, um, he'll just get more responsibilities uh, and he'll have more things to do on the court. So I think if Pascal gets traded, the next domino to fall is clearly a, a OG extension. And I think I think there's a lot of positivity on that front. I would say that's that's how I would word it. Is I think there is a pretty good chance that. OG gets extended with the Raptors and then they kind of see what what happens from there. Okay, because he seemed a part of the conglomerate of the Raptors that was pretty unhappy yeah. last season. But yeah. when you run down the list, it seems like that's everybody. Everybody was I'm telling you, man, unhappy. it was it was bad vibes. Yeah. It, it was just a lot of bad vibes. And I understand like from the Raptors perspective, just wanting a clean house. Uh and maybe maybe the fact that Fred left was part of that cleaning house cleaning the house. I think like yeah, he was an important part to their core, and I'm sure they probably would have wanted to run it back. But at the price they were looking at, they were probably like, man, maybe we should just start anew. Uh, maybe that deal wasn't out there for him because, you know, Fred got signed to a three-year deal. Technically, it's a two-year deal plus a team option. And the Raptors could have offered more years to, to sort of match on that front, but they decided not to. Uh, and I, I feel like that's probably where we're at. You know, they, they they decided not to invest in it too much. Yeah. So it seems like that indicates that they're trying to move in a different direction. But mm-hmm. yeah, they, they they had the option to do it and they just kind of backed out once yeah. they saw the numbers and yeah. it didn't really make sense. And that's completely understandable. And like you remember, you go back to early in the season, there was a couple bad losses. I remember one to Brooklyn and then there was the reporting, uh, the reporting amongst the Grange article and all that. That's when Masai came out to actually talk to the team. Yeah. And and then there's the December losses that were just a travesty in Orlando. Oh, yeah. Where they lost back-to-back games. And you get swept in a miniseries to that team. And the, the whole season was just like bad vibes, like you said. And yeah. it'll be fun to get rid of that. <laughs> I think that's their goal with yeah. a lot of this stuff. Darko seems like a really enthusiastic coach, a guy who is like rally the troops troops type. Uh, and that's very much so the opposite of what Nick Nurse had been towards the end of his tenure with the Raptors. Mm-hmm. I think they're just looking to find anybody, anybody, 
anybody with good vibes. That's why Grady Dick makes so much sense. He's just like he he's like a consumer of vibes, you know. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. We didn't even mention the the Nick Nurse part of it, where he was yeah. like uh, planning his exit and. Yeah. Uh, packing his bags mid-February oh, you know, yeah. and getting yeah. in fights with the media. Like that was, uh, to have your head coach doing that publicly, it was, that's not great a look for the organization. Let's just say that that was a very clear indicator, a little peek under the hood, if you will, of how bad the vibes were. When you when you see a coach who's been with the team for over 10 years um, be put in a position where he has to like fend for himself and also... Uh, there's just, just bad vibes yeah. overall. And bad it, vibes overall. Like, yeah. he was such a beloved figure in this market for when the times were good. Yeah. You know, you come in, you win a championship. How can you be upset with that, you know? And then to see how it all kind of ended. Coaching is, is an unforgiving business, man. I mean, yeah. I, I think you look at, like, the last whatever amount of coaches of the year, uh, the only guys who have won coach of the year and not got fired, Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr. Those are the only guys over like the last 10 years that have won coach of the year mm -hmm. and have not gotten fired. Every single other guy had has gotten let go. A, so yeah. we're about we're about 40 minutes in. Maddie's looking at us just very upset. Yeah. No you know? Pascal trades mentioned yet. She wants us to keep moving on, so we're going <laughs> to do that. And so I I did a couple I did four trades okay, that I cool. want to bring to the table and I used ESPN's NBA trade machine. That's which, fine. You're not the biggest fan of. Don't say it's fine. It's fine. Tell it's me what right. you it's said right. before the show that I, that was the worst thing I could have ever done. <laughs> because you want just, to use a different trade said, machine. I just said that it's not the best trade machine. There are better trade machines out there. Which it's acceptable. Which though. trade machine would you like us to go? There's something called Trade Finder, okay. I want to say. Okay. NBA trade machine, Trade Finder. Hold on. Let me see. If you have the website. Fanspo. Fan spell. Yeah, that's the second one. Okay. You got it. So there you go. I'm going to get this up. We got it here. Okay. So <laughs> trending players. Let's get in cozy and uh, let's do this trade machine. So on the trending players, we have Pascal Siakam and Damian Lillard. Yeah. And that's where we got to start, right? Okay. We've avoided talking about Dame for 40 minutes now, but <laughs> there's an avenue here where the Raptors say, Let's try our darndest and get Damian Lillard to the Raptors because that's the scoring that we've been missing yeah. post-championship. Absolutely. That yeah. number one option, it could be Dame. So let's plug it in. Team number one, Toronto Raptors. So I'll say this right now. If there was a Dame trade, it wouldn't be for Pascal. Why not? It would be for Scotty. Then it's an automatic no. Why? Would you would you make that move? I would rather do that than the other way around. So okay, like because because Scotty is way too young, right? Okay, he's, he's not ready to to be a main part, uh, a second cog, if you will, of a championship team. Dame is trying to win tomorrow, mm -hmm. uh, and I think Pascal, OG, Dame, Jakob, whoever you can surround him around, that's a championship team immediately immediately that is a championship contender in the Eastern Conference. That I have okay, no so, doubt about So my about first that. trade was going to be some version of pieces with Pascal to the Blazers for Dame plus a couple draft picks. Immediately you're shutting that down. Yes. And you think it's Scotty yeah. and some sort of pieces and Dame. It would have to be like Scotty and Chris Boucher and like that young and auto Porter. All right. However, let's, 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 let's build it. Okay. So we got Scotty going to the Blazers. We got... Dame going to the Raptors. That's our 
starting point right there. Right. What are you throwing in from the Raptors? So you have to match salary somehow. So you you could throw in Chris Boucher's contract if you want. Uh, you can throw in Thad Young's contract. Where's Thad? Thad Young right there. You can throw in Otto Porter Jr.'s contract. Let's see where we're at now, money-wise. Just go up. Uh, 34 and 45. So you need another $11 million-ish player. Let's scroll down Let's real quick. Um, yeah, see, it's tough to do that without including Gary Trent Jr. You'd have to probably include Gary Trent Jr. And then maybe on the other side, you do Nasir Little comes back to the Raptors. And maybe... Um, well, yeah, let's just keep it at that. Let's see. Let's see what it's at right now. 52-51. So, yeah, that that's what the deal would be. I don't know what picks would go the other way. Maybe the Raptors add a pick, whatever, but that's what it would be. So, this is our trade. We got Lillard and Little. Yeah. Going to the Raptors in exchange for Trent Jr., Boucher, Scotty Barnes, Thad Young and Otto Porter Jr. Yeah. And Who then- says no? I think both teams say no. Actually, no. I think the the Blazers would say yes. I think the Blazers would very clearly say yes. I think the Raptors would be pretty hesitant to do this. Um, Because obviously, it's such a delineation from what they're trying to do with the youth movement. And they're bringing in Darko. They're trying to do... They're they're trying to get younger. It's clear that they're not trying to get older. Right. Um, But if they are trying to maximize and capitalize on Pascal, on OG, on winning now... Dame is the guy to do it with. So with this this trade situation where you're bringing in Dame, what are the odds you can get an extension done with Lillard? D- Dame's there for four years. So it, you get him for four years. There you go. I should I should rephrase that, actually. It shouldn't be an extension. What are the odds you can he make stays? him stick around? Yeah. I, look, <laughs> because is, is it, hey, you trade for Dame, and then next offseason yeah, yeah. he's requesting a trade to Miami? So I'm of the opinion <laughs> that Dame is not built for that. Like, there mm. are certain NBA players that will sit out. There are certain NBA players, certain NBA stars that are willing to – you know, go, go the, take the highway, if you will. And like play the, like be really harsh on the team that they join. But Dame is too much of a professional. He's way too much of a hooper. Like we saw it with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's not going to sit out. There was no way that he was going to sit out. But he can request a trade. He can, he can, but like, I just don't (laughs) think he would. I don't know. I think even if you're not the Raptors, like if you're New Orleans or whatever other team outside of Miami, because clearly Miami seems to be the team that is trying to gun for Damian Lillard, I would test that. Mm -hmm. I would genuinely trade for Damian Lillard and say, I dare you to request a trade next year because I really don't think he will. I think if he is in a right the right environment, right organization, I imagine he stays. Yeah, and, and if around. there's the possibility to win a championship, I think Dame will be happy. Exactly. Because winning yeah. solves everything, and that's the only thing that's missing from his resume. You know, yeah. He's never won uh, a, a playoff game in the conference finals. You yeah. know, like, yeah. <laughs> last time he was there, he got swept. So I think if he's in a winning situation They were Toronto, winning in all four games, by the way. They were leading. I think the Warriors led for a total of, like, two minutes and 53 seconds throughout that entire series, <laughs> and they, and they swept, swept them. It. It was incredible. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that. But yes, I think that is so that it's not a Pascal trade. But if they were going in a let's just go all in on Pascal, on OG, on Dame, that's the way to do it. So with Dame here, do you do the Pascal extension as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd yeah? have to. You'd have okay. To. Yeah. And that that money works. It does. You it gets. Are it you gets into, sticky, are you into the tax? But like, you, are, yeah, is so MLSE you, paying a you whole bunch of money. You definitely you one hundred percent get into the tax, oh. but. MLSE 
has been willing in the past to go into the tax for a championship team. They did it for the championship team in 2019. If this is a team that's going to be contending, which I think it will, I think it's like a lot of people are going to be like, oh, but Pascal, oh, but no, that is a great team to build around him. Dame wanted to trade for Pascal. Mm -hmm. Dame wanted to trade for OG. Why? Because those are the perfect complementary pieces next to a guy like Damian Lillard. So I just think this would, it would, it would make a lot of sense. Again, I don't think it happens, but it would make a lot of sense. Okay. And so I asked you, um, who says no and you say Raptors probably say no because yeah. they're leaning on building around Barnes do you say yes to this if I would you say were yes. the Raptors this would be a move you do you'd move on from Scotty and I, bring in Dame for the chance at a championship I think so because yeah. you have you have Dame for four years if Dame is if like let's say you you probably have a conversation with Dame Lillard before and say hey we're thinking of doing this trade would you be willing to stick around here and probably Dame says, ah, I'm not sure. Like, guys, I, I don't know if this is the place I really want to win. But we're like, hey, we have this thing. If you try to sell Dame on this and he's down for the cause, I think that's a trade that you would make. One of the other ones of my four, that was, you shot it down immediately because no Pascal for Dame. That's yeah, not happening, yeah. apparently. It's just, it but. just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Cause like, I think it... Cause, uh, it's cause, okay. Okay, like, because Scotty is 21, mm -hmm. 22, right? Mm -hmm. Dame is 33, right? that 11 years of difference of competition it just is a lot yeah uh, and it's tough for him to break ground i think dame the main reason he wants to get traded to a team like miami is because you're playing with bam Adebayo, who's 29 years old you're playing playing with jimmy butler who's 34 years old he wants to play with vets he doesn't right. want to babysit anymore and i think if you're bringing him in to play with scotty barnes and og Ananobi, it's a little bit of babysitting again you know he has to deal with the younger guys and i i think that was the main reason it's the main reason he wants to leave portland is he doesn't want to be a part of another rebuild i would be forever jealous of the blazers for having scoot and scotty yeah i know that that's unreal yeah like that's that's such a fun team and yeah. i've watched all 82 games of that, that yeah the blazers happened. would be a lot of fun they would be they would be incredible and it'd be awesome by the way scotty is probably like if the raptors were looking at this route scotty would probably be the best chip available for portland to acquire you hear guys like tyler hero mm. being involved in trades that's not on scotty's level like i think if the Raptors were offering a guy like Scotty Barnes, this trade would already be done. So mm -hmm. that's why it's not happening, and that's why it probably isn't. What you never, you never know when Messiah might wake up tomorrow and think, you know? Yeah, he might, he right. might just yeah. start looking at it and crunch the numbers and say, okay, it's better if we have Dame here and, yeah. and move on from Scotty. But I want to I want to do our second second trade. All right, who, who are you talking about I've now? I've pulled up the Chicago Bulls. Ooh, okay. Because right. I think there's a giant scorer at the top there. Okay. Who would fit very I'm well on the Raptors? I'm Zach interested Levine. in this. I'm interested in this. Zach Levine. Yes. So yeah. a trade package of now. Are you going to shoot this down no, and no, say no, that no. it should be Scotty no, no, for no. Zach Levine? No, no, no. You, you, I completely agree. Okay. I, I think Scotty and Levine, their skill sets work incredibly well together. I think Levine is is fairly young too. I want to say he's like 25 or 26. Yeah, yeah. He's not. Old he's at he's all. not the oldest chap in the world. He obviously has a lot of injury issues. He's just signed a massive extension, so there's always those concerns. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't hate that if I'm the Toronto Raptors. I think getting a guy like Levine would be a huge get. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, from the Bulls' perspective, you're you're kind of starting anew here and hoping that you know Demar. But it's funny they kind they kind of become the Raptors. You do Demar and, and yeah. Pascal, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I think it it makes sense salary wise. I believe so the Raptors would have to add something. They're but, almost uh, one for one. It's thirty seven yeah. million versus forty million. So okay. it's in the one for one kind of would work on itself. But I think you would have to add pieces. For the for the Bulls to take for the Bulls, back, yeah, you right? probably you probably have to add uh, either picks or you have to add a couple of young guys to get this done. So we can't do picks, but let's hypothetically say there's a second along with the Pascal going the other way. You probably have to add a couple first. You think it's a couple first? He's an expiring salary. I mean, I just it's just tough. It's probably a first, mm-hmm. like one first. Uh, but okay, let's say the twenty twenty five first. Twenty. They have the earliest they can trade a pick is twenty twenty seven. Really? Yeah, because of the Yaka Pertle trade. Welcome. Yeah, that's brutal. I know. Yeah, yeah welcome. They're twenty twenty seven first, or actually twenty twenty eight. I apologize. Twenty twenty eight. Let's keep moving it down. Twenty twenty nine. Even. Yeah. Is in this trade with Pascal? Sure. Hypothetically okay. on the screen, if you're watching, um, we're also going to need to throw in a young player. Mm-hmm. They're going to want something like that. Is yeah. Boucher enough? Is it? Trent? I think. Yeah, I think you could probably add Boucher in this and, and call okay. it a day. Yeah. And call it a day. Yeah, I don't. I don't think like there. There's enough concerns with Levine there for you to be like, "Hey, are we doing this?" And imagine, yeah, there's probably picks going out the door from the Raptors' perspective. Mm-hmm. But now you have Levine. Now you have Scotty Barnes. And purely from the Raptors' perspective, this makes an, a, a ton of sense. From the Bulls' perspective, it makes less sense mm-hmm. because what are we doing here with a core of Pascal, Demar? Uh, Lonzo Ball, if he ever gets healthy, Nikola couple Vucevic, picks, couple maybe picks, maybe the first right? and a second, you know. Yeah, yeah, but okay, like so, 28, 29, you know what I mean? So, like, so the the trade here for everybody listening, it's Zach Levine yeah. to the Raptors in exchange for Pascal Boucher, a first in 2028, and let's say a second somewhere sure, in the sure. next decade. Sure. Yeah. So you're saying Bulls say no? I think the Bulls say no. I think the Bulls, if they are going to do a trade for Zach Levine, it's similar to what the Raptors would do for Pascal Siakam in the sense that they would want young players. They would want picks back. I mean, yes, you kind of address some of that, but Pascal is 29 years old. You probably want to get a young guy, right? Would they look at it more favorably if there was an extension with Pascal? Yeah. I think every team would look at it more favorably (laughs) if there was an extension with Pascal. It's just that that's such a big crux in this whole situation. And to, to Raptors fans who might be listening, that's probably why you're not going to get the most you'd want from mm-hmm. a Pascal Siakam trade because he's an expiring salary because he's shown that he doesn't I mean from the reporting he doesn't have a willingness to resign elsewhere teams aren't going to offer offer up the farm for a guy like Pascal they're just going to you know offer whatever they can in that moment for a guy who's an expiring salary who yes is an all-star and all-NBA player mm-hmm. we've seen that before with Kawhi Leonard there's a potential that you just walk after a year. So you're not going to send the entire farm out for a guy like that, you know? I mean, you know, I'll trade the championship for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> any day, baby, any day, yeah. All right, 2019 was so magical. Yeah. Um, so next up, three of four, the Indiana Pacers. Yeah. There's been some smoke here there has, about Indiana yeah. wanting Pascal. It's it's them and then the next team we're getting to, who oh, are yeah. probably number one on the list of possible destinations. Yeah. Now, we'll start with Pascal, trade to the Pacers. We got that. And for me, the way this starts and ends for the Raptors 
is if you can get a Kongu from the Pacers. You mean the Hawks? A Kongu. Oh, the sorry, Hawks. sorry. Yeah. For, that's I'm doing the Hawks right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for for the uh, for the Pacers deal, you gotta you gotta match the uh, salary. So Buddy Heald is in that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're doing the Buddy Heald deal. Yeah. So so you, you, uh, it's it probably to- Daniel Tice. In terms of like just contract, just, just contract money you're throwing in there. I think so. Let me see what we got here. How much money is Buddy Healed making? What was the number? A Buddy Healed was okay. I got you. Yeah. So then, from that, from yeah. this perspective, I would say take out Daniel Tice. Okay. Yeah, you can take out Daniel Tice. Undo trade. So yeah, the Buddy okay. Healed is nineteen point two. Yeah, and then you would add T.J. McConnell. Okay. Ba- nice little backup point guard for the Raptors. I think the Raptors would haggle over Andrew Nembard. Mm-hmm. Canadian player, shout out Aurora, Aurora Ontario, um, and then from there on, it's like how how are we doing salary wise? Thirty and thirty eight. You probably need another eight million, which means I don't know. Take your pick of one of these guys that the Raptors might want. Like let's say, let's go with Aaron Neesmith. I'm not sure really. And then you add a bunch of picks, so you go. You go the 2020. Oh, so you, you can do picks on this site. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, the SBN one didn't have picks, so, <laughs> so you're right. It is a little better. So yeah. you can add like a unprotected 2025 pick. You can go uh, unprotected 2027 pick. I, I'm not sure what the deal would be, but like this is this is essentially something you'd be looking at here, which is how do I submit this trade again? Trade. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. So this trade is successful to the Pacers is just Pascal Siakam. Yep. Back to the Raptors. Buddy Heald, TJ McConnell, Aaron Neesmith, uh, Andrew Nembard. Nembard yeah. and a first in 2025 and a first in 2027. So this is the more traditional, hey, we're trading our big guy for a bunch of pieces. Yeah, for a bunch of pieces. And Buddy Heald is a guy who works well next to scotty mm-hmm. shooting playmaking i'm uh, not necessarily playmaking but just the shooting in general tj mcconnell can be a good backup point guard for you andrew nembard is everybody is so incredibly high on him he had an incredible rookie season he can probably slot in and be your starting point guard mm-hmm. next year um and then you have aaron neesmith who's like a an interesting wing player maybe that you can throw into your rotation plus two first round picks now for this is that enough for the raptors to just say hey we're resetting yeah. the franchise and we're going to suck for a little bit. So you, so from the reporting, apparently, the Pacers aren't willing to move off Andrew Nembard. They, okay. It, so, so the question of who says no in this situation is the Pacers. I think the Pacers should say yes to something like this. Uh, they would. They are one wing away from being an incredible team. If okay. you think of Miles Turner, Tyrese Halliburton, they have Benedict Matherin. Uh, adding Pascal into that mix. And Pascal would work so well. Like we talked about it earlier on the podcast. What what does Pascal need around him? Shooting and playmaking. What do the Pacers do incredibly well? Shoot and make plays. Uh, so yeah, it, it would be a seamless fit. It would work incredibly well. I think the Pacers would and should say yes to this. But I imagine the Raptors pro- probably want a little bit more. Um, mm. And I, I that's where that's where the conversation comes up, where it's like, okay, the Raptors are asking too much for an expiring salary who might walk, who might not want to commit to another year in Indiana. So that's yeah. where your question is. This this situation feels like uh, Pascal goes to the Pacers and then leaves in free agency. Maybe. you know. Yeah. And if I'm the Pacers, I don't want to take that risk. Yeah, and because... you don't want to give up a, a bunch of like, you know, I mean, Buddy Hield is a good player for you. Andrew Nambard yeah. is a good prospect. And those two firsts. Yeah. You know, it's quite, it's quite a bit for a guy who... In twelve months, couldn't be on our could team. walk away. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's let's do the the favorites, the Hawks, the favorites, because the Hawks are. This is a real possibility, and it could come yeah. down any moment. You know, 
Um, yeah, let's see. Hey, is the trade broke yet? <laughs> yeah, check Twitter. Let us know. Nothing yet. Nothing? Nothing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No Woj bombs. <laughs> so let's start with the Kongu. Because that seems to be a sticking point with um, the Hawks and moving for Siakam. Yeah. Do you think the Raptors would be able to get him from Atlanta? I don't think so. Uh, I think Clint Capella is their starting center right now, and he doesn't seem to be a part of their plans. I think the Raptors, especially with where they're at, they need guards. So mm. personally, if I was the Raptors, I would be targeting a guy like A.J. Griffin or Kobe Bufkin instead of Onyeka Okay. Um and that's where we would go. So I like let's say it would be So you need the DeAndre Hunter contract. You need the DeAndre Hunter contract. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yes, absolutely. Uh and then you can go ahead and add AJ Griffin onto that as well. Sadiq Bay? Is Sadiq Bay an hour raptor? I, I think the Raptors I think the Hawks would say no. They <laughs> that they draw the line there. So the, yeah, my initial fake one had a Kongu and Bay and just every uh, yeah. important piece yeah, from yeah, the Hawks yeah. in there. It's but just I guess it's not. so it's so tough, man, because yeah. If Pascal had four years on his deal, like if he was on a Damian Lillard contract, yeah, you could probably see a team go ahead and cough this up. But Mm -hmm. because he's an expiring salary, and this goes back to all the bad decisions the Raptors have made over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just, it's fallen apart in terms of like very small minor decisions that haven't gone their way, have built up to this moment right here where they have a massive decision to make and they don't necessarily have tons of leverage. That's why maybe an extension might be the best way to go yeah. about this. But, so don't tell me okay. uh, Bogdan is in this. No, so it is actually, <laughs> so there's so there's a way, there's a couple different ways to do this, but you probably would have to add oh. Bogdan. Uh, so it would be... It just doesn't make sense. I know, With, with Pertle coming back and yeah. just all of his injuries. That's all, that's all it would be. Okay, so, yeah, you go ahead and make this trade. There you go. Just something you think... I got you. This is what the trade would probably be. Let's read this out. To the Raptors, we got DeAndre Hunter, Bogdan Bogvanovich, AJ Griffin, a 2024 first in exchange for Pascal Siakam. Yeah. I get so disappointed when I look at a trade package like this. I hear you, man. I hear you. It's it's tough. And I think this is this is the situation the Raptors have put themselves in where they they like beggars can't be choosers in a lot of ways and it's it's sad to say it is it's it really is unfortunate but they've put themselves in a position where they kind of have to take the best offer possible or Mm -hmm. extend them like right there is the possibility that we end this whole conversation with hey they're just going to extend him and then two years down the road maybe they assess and move on with the trade because he now has three years left on his deal he's a multi-time all-star all-nba guy Mm -hmm. but with this situation, 12 months left, and he's he can walk at any point in time, you're not going to get the best offer. Right. Um, so there's another deal I want to bring up to you. Okay. 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 What if the Raptors got involved in the Damian Lillard trade, but not in the way that you're thinking? The third team. Third team. Okay. Or fourth team. Fourth team. Yeah, they would be the fourth team. <laughs> okay. So a lot of people don't want Tyler Hero. Maybe the Raptors, who need a guy like Tyler Hero, mm-hmm. go in and take Tyler. So DeAndre Hunter would be headed to Portland. Can we do a three team or a four team on it, this? It's going to be complex, but let's try it. Let's okay, try okay. It. Here, you load it up. Add third team up there. Okay. One sec. Add a third team. Let's go to the Blazers. And then we're going to add a fourth add team. A fourth team. <laughs> and we're gonna, who is it? And what this we, also involves the Hawks. 
Well, Are we, we have the we have the Raptors, Hawks, Heat, and who's the other team we're talking about here that might get Miami, 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 because Hero. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There you go. All right. This is going to be insane. Okay. So trading Dame to the Heat. Yes. Easy he gets to go it. to his destination. He gets the Blazers to go to the do place. right by Dame. Move exactly. him to Miami. Now, the Toronto Raptors would trade Pascal to the Hawks because they're the one who want him the most. Yes. Trey Tyler Young Hero would go to the Toronto Raptors. Okay. DeAndre Hunter. Where is DeAndre? Where'd you go, DeAndre? Hold on. I feel, yes. like, I feel like he disappeared. Where did DeAndre go? He's not. No, he's not in the trailer. Oh, there he is. Okay. Oh, it's weird. DeAndre up. goes to the Trailblazers. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Raptors also get AJ Griffin. He goes to the Raptors. You okay. still get that pick goes to the Portland Trailblazers instead. And this is Sacramento's yes. first round pick from the Hawks. Exactly. To the Trailblazers. Yes. Uh, and then you have a bunch of salary going to Miami. So you can send Duncan Robinson there. And then now... From Miami to the Blazers. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I they think you have... A tr- like, you have to add picks to this. But the essentially this... failed. Uh, hold on. Hawks have to trade... <laughs> Okay, Hawks have to send six point five million dollars more. So you go to, to the, where to the Hawks. You can send them to, I guess you can send them to the Raptors. Patty Mills. Sure, <laughs> doesn't matter. Just anybody. There you go. All okay, done. okay. So let's let's read. So this imagine out. there is a boatload of picks going to the Portland Trailblazers as well from the Miami Heat. Okay, that's that's one thing you have to keep in mind. I didn't add the picks because laziness. <laughs> um, but yes, so it would be Damian Lillard going to the Miami Heat. You have. Oh, actually, hold on. Let me adjust this real quick. What are you going to do? Hold on. What are you going to add? I'm going to just add a bunch of young guys from the from the heat to this deal. Okay. Because you think they should get more pieces from Miami. Yeah, exactly. For And you, now we're going to add the picks as well. Yeah, why not? So let's, yeah, let's officially do the picks. Trade fail. Yeah, no, it's it's because the rookie can't get traded yet, but that's fine. He he can he can get traded in like twenty days. That's okay, fine. okay, he'll, so, he'll be yeah. all right. So this trade this, works. Let's it, say it happens end of August. Yes, or exactly. early September. So Damian Lillard goes to the Miami Heat. Okay, mm-hmm. DeAndre Hunter, Duncan Robinson, Hame Hakez, Nikola Jokic, or Jovic. Sorry, Jovic, yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> and then Jokic. a bunch of picks, four or five different picks, going to the Portland Trailblazers. Atlanta gets Pascal Siakam, and the Raptors get Tyler Hero. Patty Mills is a contract, whatever, and AJ Griffin. Mm-hmm. That's now, the deal. Now, why are you so excited about this deal? I just think it makes more sense than DeAndre Hunter. I, I, I think Hunter doesn't make a lot of sense for the Raptors right now. Uh, Hero is at least a guy who can work well within the Raptors system. He just provides what they need. AJ Griffin is a good young piece for them to also acquire. It's kind of a win-win. And mm-hmm. apparently there are reports that the Raptors are trying to get into involved in the Dame trade in order to acquire a guy like Hero. So... Okay. That's and the way to do the, it. What's the direction of the franchise if you decide to go with Tyler Hero? It's, you still have you're still Scotty building. Scotty and shooting, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's your team. What you should have done for Pascal many <laughs> eons ago, right. uh, you you get to do with, with Scotty in doing Tyler, Grady Dick, AJ Griffin, who's a great shooter, mm-hmm. uh OG Ananobi, who's a good shooter, Gary Trent Jr. is a good shooter. Like that yeah. Now you have a bunch of shooting around Scotty and it makes a lot more sense. I think in conclusion for this whole trading Pascal thing, it's going to be one of two options. 
he resigns, he signs that extension, yep. and then they trade him eventually. Yeah. Or they trade him now. Yeah. It seems like either way, we're getting to the point where yes. it's going to be a trade in some form or fashion. Personally, I would be pretty surprised given the amount of noise there is around it uh, and given some of the reporting around it. You mentioned Michael Grange's report earlier. I would be pretty surprised if Pascal is a Raptor on opening night. Um, so that's that's where I'm at with it. It could change. He could get extended. He could you know, decide, walk in tomorrow, and the Raptors and Messiah are like, you know what, we'll extend you. We'll keep building this thing around you and see what happens. But money-wise... You know, budget-wise, flexibility-wise, they're getting to the point where they have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And they were probably at that point last year <laughs> because they they knew that this was coming on the horizon, and yet they still decided to double down, trade a pick for Jakob Pertl, uh, trade a pick for Thad Young. I, I think a lot of these, maybe in the moment, there were, there were small uh, moves and transactional moves. They're coming back to haunt the Raptors in a lot of ways because now they're they're dealt this card where they have to make a decision on their core and it's going to rest on their best player in Pascal. So yeah, yeah, tough situation there. You uh you jumped the gun a little on my final question, so I'm going to ask the question so Maddie can write it down for Justin <laughs> and herself for socials. Game one of the Toronto Raptors season. Oh. Where is Pascal Siakam? I think he's with the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, I think I think Pascal is with the Atlanta Hawks. I I just think they've been working so hard to try to get Pascal. They tried to do it before the NBA draft. They tried to do it after the NBA draft. They tried to do it after Fred decided to leave. It just seems like they are geared in and locked on on trying to acquire Pascal Siakam. And from the Hawks perspective, I really love the deal mm. because Pascal is so complimentary to a guy like Trey Young. He works well with a guy like DeJounte Murray. They have a new coach in Quinn Snyder who emphasizes ball movement and spacing and shooting and all the great things that Pascal needs to thrive. Uh, so I, I think the fit works well. I think if if Pascal ends up on Atlanta, they're like a top three, four seed next year. That's that's pretty good. That's really good yeah. for, for where Atlanta Especially needs to be. Especially in an East where you can take advantage if you have yeah. a decent team. Exactly. Know? One lucky yeah. playoff series or a playoff run and you're in the Eastern Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, the Hawks know a lot about that. Yeah. I know what's happening with them. Yeah. Yeah. So I... I I would probably bet that Pascal is on the Hawks by the time opening night okay. happens. All right. Well, thank you for uh, doing this. Today. Yeah, we, we got to do this a lot more. This is yeah. a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you coming by the offices and uh, yeah, recording yeah. today. Look, it was this is my this is my first recording in the SDPN offices. Yeah, I'm yeah. feeling good. I'm feeling nice. This is <laughs> it's it's awesome. It, it's it's great to be able to first see like this whole thing grow, and you guys sort of actualize it and like paint out what you guys wanted for this place to be, mm-hmm. and for it to actually be this incredible no we like we couldn't have a better person like heading up the nba pillar of this company so we appreciate thank you everything you do for us and yeah we'll uh we'll do this a couple more times maybe for sure. one before the season starts and yeah a lot more during the season who knows maybe all these players are traded by then yeah and we can actually <laughs> talk about how they how they look on those teams exactly yeah. all right that's it uh i'll be back sometime later this week with more of the Jesse Blake Sports Report. I appreciate everybody who's listening today. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast feed if you're watching on YouTube or head over to our YouTube channel, hit subscribe and like. We've got a lot of summer content coming out on the SDPN channel, so you won't miss us in terms of uh, podcasting and video content. We've got lots of stuff, so uh, stay glued to that. We'll talk to you very soon. And that is how it's done.
The Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake, powered by Sports Interaction. Jesse Blake, the guy that likes to hear his name twice in one sentence. Sure, I know him. No, he doesn't have an ego at all. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.